ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to a special edition of the Kill Stream. This is going to be a debate between E. Michael Jones and Umar Lee on the Louis the Ninth statue there in St. Louis. Some people want it removed. Uh, I think I explained this on Twitter, or Mr. Lee did. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of this article before I bring on the participants. I just got back from Washington, D.C. one and a half hours ago. Shout out to all my friends there. I had a great time this weekend. It was a great weekend, actually. Uh, anyway, I have a Storyfire video coming up on that. Follow me on Storyfire Killstream. That's the account over there. Verified account. Go ahead and follow that. Uh, anyway, let me read this real quick. There's been a debate over the King Louis IX statue that sits just above Art Hill. Earlier this week, barricades were plant planted around the statue. By the way, this is from July the 12th. Uh, some want him to stay, and others want him gone. On Sunday evening, rosary in hand, knees planted on ground, prayers were sent to heaven. This has been the scene for the past three weeks. Connor Martin has been here almost every day and night and says there are some people who have not missed a single night. Some are begging for the French king to stay. Martin explains he'd welcome the poor and clean their feet for them and reform the justice system. He refunded the, excuse me, funded the arts and built libraries and schools. He also adds, I understand there is controversy and I'm open for discussion there, but to ignore all the good things that St. Louis, St. Louis uh, has done is ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, let's see. Mayor Lida Krusen has been against removing the statue in Forest Park. She says it won't change the roots of our problems, root of our problems. Others want him gone. Activist Umar Lee is part of a campaign to take down the monument. He's going to be one of the participants here today. Uh, Louis IX was no saint. We don't need a religious monument in our park. He suggests to move it to a church or the archdiocese property. His biggest concern with the statue? The king's past. He says history shows hate and persecution against Muslims and Jews, but Lee, Lee also worries that the opposing group has white nationalists. They have not acknowledged the extreme, extremism on their side of the fence. Lee adds, Martin says this isn't true. In reality, we're just Catholics who want to pray our faith, pray for our faith. A few weeks ago, things even got intense near the statue after a protest, Martin, Martin getting hit in the head. He said he was concussed. On Sunday evening, Lee came to make sure we're, things were safe. Uh, anyway, I think you have enough background on the stuff now. That's the story. That was by KSDK there, I believe, in St. Louis. All right, now, let me go ahead uh, and unmute myself. They can hear me now, uh, and now they should be able to see me, and in just a few seconds, uh, you will be able to see them as well. Uh, there's Mr. Umar Lee. Uh, let me unmute. Oh, actually, let me unmute the tab. Uh, there we go. Uh, Mr. Umar Lee, since this is your first time on the kill stream, uh, I'll let you go ahead, uh, introduce yourself, and then just go right to your uh, introduction statement. Sure. My name is Umar Lee. I'm an activist and writer from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, joining you here today because of my background as an activist. For those who don't know me, I was very active in the Ferguson Uprising protest movement uh, after the death of Mike Brown, August 9th of 2014. And since 2014, there has been a continuous spirit of activism and protest in the St. Louis metropolitan area. One of those uh, events that I was heavily involved in was the removal of the Confederate monument in Forest Park. For those who don't know Forest Park, it's this huge grand park in the heart of the city of St. Louis. The 1904 World's Fair was there. The 1904 Olympics was there. And they had a Confederate monument. I led the charge to get rid of that Confederate monument. And we eventually got rid of it, even though the city didn't really want to do it, we kind of forced their hand. 
moving on to 2020, uh, after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this spirit of activism was rekindled, not just in St. Louis, but throughout the nation and really throughout the world. There were protests in London and many other places. And the Columbus statue in Tower Grove Park, which is in South St. Louis, which had stood there for, you know, I think since the 19th century, was removed. Now, I had been talking about the monument to King Louis IX in Forest Park less than a half a mile from where the Confederate monument once stood. I had been talking about it for years, that this monument needs to go. And reading the tea leaves, the moment that we're in in history, I said, now is the time to reach out to people, to talk to people, to see if this is the moment that we could remove this monument and even perhaps begin a conversation about renaming the city of St. Louis. This wasn't something I had just thought about. I wrote an article about it in 2017 in the Riverfront Times. A writer named Amy Levitt wrote an article more than 10 years ago in the Riverfront Times about Louis IX. And historian Michael Allen uh, wrote an article um, a month or two ago uh, on the same topic. And so we were able to get together a, a coalition of people uh, willing to uh, protest at the monument of Louis IX and, and, and willing to join in, in this call. It was an interfaith protest. There were Muslims, there were Jews, there were Christians, there were those that would not identify with any faith. And there were those that had been around uh, what we call Ferguson veterans or Ferguson frontliners uh, here in St. Louis, those that were veterans uh, of the struggle. Our opposition to Louis IX, we, we can really break down into these categories. Number one is monarchy. Of course, there's this Dungeons and Dragons Twitter movement. Uh, in the Muslim community, I call them the Neo-Ottomans, the Ak, right? Ak meaning brother in Arabic who uh, rail against modernity and, you know, these are the kind of guys we once associated with, uh, you know, spending their high school days as guys like me were athletes and, you know, with active social lives. Uh, they were, you know, kind of in their parents' basement uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, reading the Game of Thrones novels, et cetera. And maybe, you know, they see them themselves as being part of House Stark or something of that nature, but this kind of nerdy political movement Within the Catholic tradition of monarchy, you go to a lot of the Twitter bios of the Louis IX defenders, it will say monarchist. The same way on the Muslim side of the fence, you know, they're, uh, they're neo-Ottomans. They're praising the concept of caliphate and, and the Ottoman Empire in particular. Uh, and this is called Akhrite traditional Sufism. So monarchy is what the revolution in America fought against. We removed the rule of monarchies. We removed the rule of King George III. So there should not be any monument, any statue, any glorification in any public space in America for someone whose rule is hereditary because the, the American idea was strictly against hereditary rule and monarchy. That's number one. Number two, we have the, the issue of separation in church and state. If Catholic worshipers in St. Louis are going to gather and pray to this monument or at this monument or however you would like to phrase that, uh, and they see this as something as 
holy and is something important to their faith, there's a very logical solution to this. My tax dollars don't need to pay for this. The tax dollars of Muslim, Jewish, and non-Catholic citizens, only 25% of the metropolitan area is Catholic, do not need to pay for this religious uh, monument. Quite simply, the Archdiocese of St. Louis owns hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate. They own some of the prime real estate in the St. Louis metropolitan area because the roots of this city, there was once a time when the vast majority of residents of the city of St. Louis were Catholic. And, you know, there was a very strong and robust uh, parish life and CYC leagues uh, in the city of St. Louis uh, and in the surrounding suburbs. You take this monument and you put it at the St. Louis Cathedral Basilica. Now, the St. Louis Cathedral Basilica is actually the only Catholic church I've ever been inside of. And if you're a Catholic and you visit St. Louis, you'll want to see the Cathedral, Cathedral Basilica. It's one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen. I mean, it is really something else, you know, the ceiling and all the, you know, the stained glass and the, and the paintings, et cetera. But there is ample space behind the uh, Cathedral Basilica to put the monument of Louis IX. And then you can go and pray at it and do whatever you want. But I don't want to leave the St. Louis Art Museum. And, we, and if you visit St. Louis, admission is free to the St. Louis Art Museum and the Missouri History Museum at Forest Park. I don't want to leave this beautiful museum, which I love going to, and have to go outside of there and see Louis IX, the failed crusader, on his horse with a sword. The other aspect is, now there, there, there are um, four more points to this, the World's Fair. The World's Fair of 1904, which for kids growing up in St. Louis like me was uh, taught as the, the height of St. Louis. And this time St. Louis is uh, a major world city. It's one of the largest cities in America. Of course, St. Louis was once the fourth largest city in America. And we're taught that this was the crowning achievement of St. Louis, the World's Fair. And there's this nostalgia. Matter of fact, my late grandmother used to say, all I want to do is live to 2004 and see if we can get the World's Fair again. That's how um, tightly it was wrapped into the ethos of St. Louis. I was at the Missouri History Museum a few days ago. They have a brand new exhibit about the World's Fair. This monument uh, uh, was, was placed after the World's Fair as, as kind of like a gift to St. Louis. But what was the World's Fair? When we do a deeper dive into history, there's a great new book out called The Broken Heart of America by Dr. Walter Johnson, who's a Harvard professor, who looks into over 250 years of racism, white supremacy, and oppression in St. Louis. And there's a chapter on the World's Fair. The World's Fair was basically the largest human uh, zoo in history, where humans, Filipinos, Africans, Native Americans, and others were put on display. And I just read a, a, a great article today about how that was in line with the Choteau and Laclede, who were the founders of St. Louis, August Choteau and Pierre Laclede. That was in line uh, with their vision of St. Louis. This is the white man's city. This is uh, a Catholic city and all others will uh, be inferior. And when this monument went up, there's no doubt about it, St. Louis was a segregated 
Jim Crow city, uh, the you know the northernmost city with strict racial uh, segregation, and it was a city where definitely the small Jewish population or the almost non-existent Muslim population uh, had no influence whatsoever. So the thoughts and feelings of other communities were not put into mind, which leads me to a topic that Dr. Jones is very well familiar with, and that is the topic of, of anti-Semitism. Of course, as I said, when this monument went up, Jews in St. Louis were very small in numbers. There's actually a, a a two-volume book of St. Louis Jewish history uh, called Jews in the Valley. It's a wonderful history. You know, there were Jewish families here at this time. You know, uh, Isaac Monsanto, the founder, the founder of Monsanto Chemicals, was a, one of the early um, St. Louis Jews and others. But, of course, they were an influential political community. St. Louis had been a city of ward politics, uh, similar to what people remember of Chicago, a city of machine politics, and other ethnic groups got in on the game. You know, we had the Lebanese Syrian faction for decades, generations, which were Maronite Christians, uh, Italians, Irish, Germans, and many others. And at the turn of the century, uh, the Germans would have been the most influential, uh, most of them being Catholic. So if you look at anti-Semitism, in history, I see it radically different than Dr. Jones sees it. I see anti-Semitism as one of the oldest human prejudices, one of the oldest forms of racism. And I think it's a sign of your society, it's the sign of the health of your culture, how you treat your Jewish population. Because we can look at almost every tyrant in history Every evil form of government in history, you know, from Hitler to Stalin to many others, and you'll see a conspiratorial worldview world scapegoating Jews for all of the problems of the world was near the center of their philosophy. And this was true of European monarchs as well, and of much of the Christian populace who had the blood libel accusation against the Jewish population and would periodically erupt in periods of violence against Jews. Louis IX was just one of many. When Louis IX sought to ban the Talmud, it was nothing uh, extraordinary in, in European history because so many European monarchs had done similar things. Now, Dr. Jones may come back with an indictment on the Talmud. And I'll quite simply say this, I'm not a Talmudist. Of course, I've read and studied a little bit about the Talmud. And there are people that have dedicated their lives to the study uh, and interpretation of the Talmud uh, from the original Aramaic, you know, via the translations, etc. But the, the, um, uh, the issue is with religion, you can go into the books of Islam, to the books of Hadith and the books of Aqidah and Fiqh and, you know, the various works of the scholars of Ibn al-Qayyim and Ibn Taymiyyah and Imam Abu Hanifa, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're not a Muslim, you're not familiar with Muslim text, you can always cherry pick things here and there and then present an argument 
that these things are inherently negative or inherently evil. Uh, and you can do the same thing with the, with the history of the Catholic Church and the catechism. And you can do the same thing with Martin Luther and the other uh, Protestant reformers. So these are, uh, uh, you have to look at religion and faith holistically and from a scholarly uh, uh, perspective and not a religious supremacist uh, perspective. One of the commonalities that Dr. Jones, I was just talking to someone saying this, Dr. Jones and people like him, um, Robert George, who's not quite as far to the right as Dr. Jones, but uh, he's another uh, he's another figure, is they sh they're making an alliance with many conservative right-wing Muslims on the Akh, right? The, uh, mostly the quietest Sufi branches, uh, Hamza Yusuf and my dear old friend from St. Louis, Ismail Royer, and, and, and some others, is that um, they share a notion of religious supremacy, uh, a my way or the highway view of religion. In other words, I'm right, everyone else is going to the eternal barbecue. And often, not with everyone, but often that worldview is also predicated in anti-Semitism. It's that the modern world has been corrupted. And what has the modern world been corrupted by? It's been corrupted by the Jews. The no. Jews who are who are plotting and scheming, the Jewish baker <laughs> and Jewish butcher and the Jewish taxi driver and the Jewish banker all have a secret meeting every Thursday at 6 a.m. And they figure out how they're going to rule and corrupt the world. And so you get phrases like neo-Marxism and, and, and all this stuff and people texting me and emailing me, how much is George Soros paying you? And I have to say that George Soros is paying me nothing and no one is paying me nothing. But if George Soros would like to send me a donation, I am more than happy to take right. the money. And the right, now, let me go ahead and ask you to, if you're done here and if you're going to finish up, because I did give you like a full 20 minutes. And okay, I, what, what, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I know. Just... They're getting on my case. I told them EMJ will have as much time as he wants as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. really getting on my case. Just the last part is, is, is the crusading. Obviously, St. Louis is a city with home to a large and vibrant Muslim population. We are the home of no one really knows the exact figure. Somewhere between 50,000 and 100,000 Bosnian refugees that came in the last 30 years. We have a large Palestinian population, African-American Muslims, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously the Crusades is something controversial within Muslim history. And Muslims do not want to pay to maintain the monument of a crusader holding a sword in Forest Park. And with that, I will hand it over uh, to the, mon the moderator. Very good, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Jones, are you here? I think he should be able to hear us. I saw him a minute ago, so let's see. I think his mic is muted. Okay, yeah, you might have to unmute yourself. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes, I can. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Just a second. Okay, that's fine. Um, we'll, we'll give you a second. I'll read a couple of these super chats. Okay. Are you ready? You're going to go past because I'm beginning the, after that part. Okay? Uh, Pedestals. All Pedestals right. never stay. Okay, just, just, just like do your hand like this when you're ready. I'll, I'll go ahead and mute this for a sec while they get ready. Um, all right. Now, yeah, just let me know when you guys are ready because I have it muted so they can't hear it and I can't hear it either. So you'll have to like wave at me or something. Okay. Uh, Tris too says, every day is 2020. Every day is 2020. Every day is 2020. Viral uh, Koenig says, rock on EMJ. Let me check back in. Are they ready? Okay, I think they should be. Let me unmute. 
Okay, you ready? All right, hold on. Yep. All right, you're you ready? Okay, go ahead, Dr. Jones. I'll read every All super right. chat go, uh, later, but go ahead, Dr. Jones. Okay, pedestals never stay empty. The pedestal which held the bust of Stalin in Prague is a good example. Stalin's statue was removed, but a statue of Michael Jackson took its place, at least for a while. Something similar happened in South Bend, Indiana, where a statue of the Ten Commandments once stood in front of the courthouse until it was removed to a parking lot and finally disappeared altogether. But since pedestals never stay empty, it was replaced by a statue of Martin Luther King and Theodore Hesburgh singing, We Shall Overcome. What this means is the civil rights movement replaced the Ten Commandments as the basis for social order in South Bend, Indiana. Actually, it was the opposite of the civil rights movement because now we have in, live in a country where the color of your skin is more important than the content of your character. Which brings us to St. Louis, the statue and the city. Moved by the wave of revolutionary iconoclasm which has swept the country in recent months, Umar Lee mounted a campaign to remove the statue of Leo IX from its present location in front of the art museum in Forest Park. Lee claims to be a Muslim, but he got the idea of removing the statue not in the wake of the George Floyd demonstration, but years earlier when a group of Jewish students from Washington University held a vigil at the statue. Unlike the victims of most acts of the current wave of iconoclasm sweeping America, Louis IX was not a general in the Confederate Army, nor did he own slaves, nor did he oppress Native Americans. He was king of France in the 13th century and lived at a time when Europeans had no idea that America existed. So the case against Louis IX has nothing to do with race. Umar Lee said that Louis IX expelled the Jews from France after expropriating their property, but this is a misrepresentation of what actually happened. According to his most recent biographer, Jacques Legoff, ce qui est visé, c'est l'usure, non les marchands, ni l'étranger, ni le juif. Il n'y a rien de racial dans this. Dans, sorry, l'attitude de Saint Louis. And just in case Mr. Lee doesn't speak the language of St. Louis, the English version of that sentence is what got targeted is usury, not the merchant, not the foreigner, not the Jew. There is nothing racial about the attitude of St. Louis. What is the Muslim position on usury? What is the Arabic word for usury? What is your position on usury, Mr. Lee? Did you support Occupy Wall Street? If you, if you opposed Goldman Sachs then, why are you criticizing Louis IX now for being more effective in dealing with the same problem? Or do you support Goldman Sachs? Umar Lee said in one of his tweets that St. Louis had no business being in Jerusalem during the Crusades. Can we generalize from this statement? Is he saying that no European has any business exercising control over Jerusalem? What about the Polish Jews who descended on the Holy Land after World War II and used terrorism to expel the native Palestinians from their homes? Were those Polish Jews justified in their theft of Palestinian land? Yes or no? If yes, 
Why was the crusade of St. Louis wrong? If no, then why aren't you supporting Palestinians now? What about Americans? Do they have any business being in Jerusalem? Benjamin Netanyahu and I are the same age. I went to high school one mile from where he went to high school. And where was that? It wasn't in Tel Aviv. It was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So if it is wrong for a resident of Paris to take control of Jerusalem in the 13th century, why is it right for a resident of Philadelphia to do the same thing in the 21st century? Why is a graduate of Cheltenham High School now justified in calling himself the ruler of Jerusalem? Why is Mr. Lee outraged over an occupation eight centuries ago and silent on the occupation that is happening now? Did crusaders shoot innocent Palestinian women and children in the back? No, they did not, but Israeli snipers did. Yet our Muslim friend is strangely silent about the plight of fellow Muslims. What is your position on the Nakba, Mr. Lee? Omar Lee tells us that Louis IX burned the Talmud, but he does not tell us why. Louis IX burned the Talmud because it contained blasphemy and because blasphemy was punished as a crime. Mr. Lee is upset by this fact and uses the fact that he is upset as a pretext to deny the people of St. Louis their history and by extension, their identity. Who gave Mr. Lee this right? Was he elected to public office? Do Muslims have the right to deny Catholics and other citizens of St. Louis their history? Before answering that question, we need to ask another more pertinent question, namely, what is Mr. Lee's position on blasphemy? Is it the Islamic position on blasphemy? If so, the punish for blasphemy should be death. Does Mr. Lee want to impose the Muslim punishment for blasphemy on Americans? If so, his Jewish backers will be the first to suffer because what got written in the Talmud is nothing compared to what gets produced in Hollywood now on a regular basis. Did St. Louis call for the death of blasphemers? No, he did not. But one year after the publication of his novel, The Satanic Verses in 1988, Many Muslims, according to Wikipedia, accused uh, its author, Salman Rushdie, of blasphemy. And in 1989, the Ayatollah Ruola Khomeini of Iran issued a fatwa ordering Muslims to kill Rushdie. Following the issuing of that fatwa, numerous killings, attempted killings, and bombings resulted in response to the novel. That fatwa remains in place to this day. Does Mr. Lee support that fatwa? Yes or no? According to Wikipedia, the Quran prescribes either prison or mutilation or death for those guilty of blasphemy. Quranic verses 533 and 3357-61 to 61 specify that the only punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his messengers and strive to make mischief in this land is that they should be murdered or crucified or their hands and their feet should be cut off on opposite sides, or they should be imprisoned. <clears throat> How can Mr. Lee criticize a Christian for burning blasphemous books when the Muslim solution to the problem of blasphemy is burning the blasphemer? Or does Mr. Lee disagree with Muslim teaching on the issue of blasphemy? 
Does Mr. Lee accept the Quranic teaching on blasphemy? If yes, why is he criticizing St. Louis for burning blasphemous books? We no longer prosecute blasphemy as a crime, thanks largely to lawyers like Alan Dershowitz, who defended pornography as free speech in 1973. Jews like Dershowitz regularly defended every form of transgressive speech imaginable as covered by the First Amendment as long as they were outside the halls of power. This included crucifixes submerged in urine, which Jewish museum owners deemed art. Once they got their hands on the levers of power, Jews like Dershowitz changed their tune. And in 2019, the St. Alan Dershowitz, who defended Deep Throat, can be seen standing next to Donald Trump as he signed an executive order banning any criticism of Israel on college campuses. During that same year, the Anti-Defamation League concluded its campaign against the right to free speech by getting anyone who criticized Jews removed from the Internet. The hypocrisy was palpable, but anyone who mentioned it was ipso facto guilty of hate speech and anti-Semitism. My books were removed from Amazon at the behest of the ADL, and my YouTube channel was terminated as well, again at the behest of a group of people who feel aggrieved that a king of France burned the Talmud eight centuries ago. The only difference between what happened to the Talmud then and what happened to my books a month ago is that the Talmud was given a fair trial and I was not. Let's put this another way. Is Mr. Lee in favor of ban banning books? Does he support the campaign to have books certain people don't like banned from the internet? If yes, why is he complaining about St. Louis? If no, why isn't he supporting me? But this isn't about me. This is about the statue of St. Louis and why it should stay where it is. Statues commemorate our common history. Tearing down the statue of St. Louis is an assault on the history of the people of St. Louis. It is an attempt to deprive them of their identity. If the people of St. Louis have no identity, then revolutionaries can come along and tell them what to do. Who gave Mr. Lee the right to wage war on the history and identity of the people of St. Louis? Who gave him the right to decertify one set of standards and put another set in its place? Who gave him the right to do to St. Louis what the, the ACLU did to spend when they removed the Ten Commandments as the basis of the social order and put in its place a racial ideology based on the antithesis of what Martin Luther King stood for? According to the old dispensation, you were not allowed to murder someone, commit adultery, steal, or lie. According to the new dispensation, you are not allowed to say anything that our new masters find offensive. If you break this rule, you will be punished either by being banned from social media or by being beaten up by proxy warriors like Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Umar Lee is one of those proxy warriors. Umar Lee relies on deception as his main weapon of choice. During the recent demonstrations, he consistently and deliberately misrepresented the people who came to pray at the statue to prevent its removal by calling them white supremacists, associating them with Charlottesville when they repeatedly told him that they were Catholics who had come to the statue to pray the rosary. Umar Lee lied about his opponents 
and his misrepresentation amounted to identity theft. The Catholics who came to pray the rosary at the statue were deprived of their religious rights because Umar Lee imposed a racial identity on them in spite of their protest. And he did this because according to the new dispensation, all white people are racist. And because of that fact, they have no rights. Lee's lies led to violence when black thugs who may or may not have been members of Black Lives Matter showed up at the monument and assaulted Connor Page, a Catholic in his 60s, because Lee had turned him into a white guy. The final act in this drama of identity theft came on July 12th when the Catholics showed up en masse led by a black nun. At this point, Lee's defamation campaign collapsed and it became clear that Lee and the few people who showed up with him could not use race to deprive Catholics of their identity. Lee's attempt at racially motivated identity theft failed at that point. Lee is now trying to pin another label on his opponents, the label of anti-Semitism. To do this, he must again engage in identity theft by imposing Jewish categories on a group of people whose savior rejected them categorically. I'm talking about guilt by association and one of those fa- one of their favorite tactics. If Jesus did not contract sin by eating with tax collectors and prostitutes, as the Pharisees claimed, then the Catholics who defended their statue did not contract anti-Semitism by associating with an enemy of the ADL. Unemployed cab drivers with long criminal records generally lack the political power to affect change. That is why they become revolutionaries. If Mr. Lee had not allied himself with fellow revolutionaries like Rabbi Susan Talva, No one would know his name and we would not be having this debate. In linking his efforts with hers, Lee adopted the Jewish revolutionary spirit, which has waged war on Logos ever since Annas and Caiaphas harassed Christ at the foot of the cross. In America, it was known as the Black Jewish Alliance, which began with the lynching of Leo Frank and the founding of the ADL and went bust in 1967, when Harold Cruz wrote The Crisis of the Negro Intellectual. That alliance sprang back into life in Ferguson when George Soros poured $33 million into the coffers of Black Lives Matter. George Soros also funded the campaign which led to the election of Kim Gardner, who now uses race as the basis of deciding where people are innocent or guilty. As we all know by now, to mention the name of George Soros is a sign of anti-Semitism. Like the statue of the Ten Commandments in South Bend, Indiana, the statue of St. Louis is a sign that the citizens of that city owe their allegiance to an order of being which both transcends and rebuts the revolutionary spirit which claims that some people are superior because of their DNA and as a result of that superiority should be granted privilege. Jewish privilege, which can be passed on to proxy warriors like Umar Lee and anyone else who supports their attack on Logos, which is the foundation of the social order. All right, Um, you you ready? You you done with your, oh, you're still rolling it? Okay. 
Oh, no, no. oh, you're done? That's okay. It. okay, all right. So since I let uh, Mr. Lee go first, uh, I'm going to let you go first with the question segment. It also uh, fits pretty well uh, because you asked him like a few well, questions. Well, you just asked about the questions. Yeah, you asked a few questions already. Um, like so, 20 questions. Well, yeah, I mean, we could just yeah. let you answer some of them or you could just officially ask them again, Dr. Jones. Yeah, uh, I, divided uh, the category, I divided the questions into one, two, four categories just to make it easier and kind of combine the questions together. Okay, well, if you want to just go ahead and start addressing them, I mean, technically, yeah, he did okay. already ask you a few questions, and then I'll let him respond. Okay, so category one uh, is, is the issue of usury and Occupy Wall Street. He first asked, what is the Arabic word for riba, I mean, excuse me, for usury, which is riba, and, of course, there's a famous uh, 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 hadith uh, saying of Prophet Muhammad that there are I believe it's 70 forms of riba and, and the least of which is like having sex with your mother. So there's obviously a, a big Islamic prohibition uh, against usury, against riba. Uh, this is well known. And as regarding the Occupy Wall Street movement, I went to some of their protests and events in St. Louis. I mean, contrary to what Dr. Jones has said, uh, I've been a well-known activist in St. Louis for years. Uh, when Ferguson began, I was already a newspaper columnist in St. Louis. I'd already won awards uh, for the rise and fall of the Southern Movement in America, which I had written. Uh, so I was a well-known personality uh, before that. Uh, I showed up. I didn't see them as I, I agree with the general philosophy, but I didn't see them as having any kind of cohesive uh, political strategy. Uh, and uh, definitely not in the St. Louis uh, local Occupy. And so some of those people I became friends with, but I didn't see it as a movement uh, that had a lot of traction uh, or was going anywhere. Now, why were Jews involved in interest banking? This is the real question that Dr. Jones presents. And there's a quite simple answer to that is that Jews were banned from most professions. There were very few things that Jews could legally and lawfully do in Europe. And Christians most often were banned from the usury and banking profession. So by default, this was one of the industries that Jews could go into and thrive in. Being a small, vulnerable population, this also meant when people owed them too much money, they could just go ahead and kill their lenders and kill their bankers. And that was the source of many pogroms uh, in European history. The second issue he asks is about Jerusalem, the Palestinians, do America. Yeah. Can, I, can I interrupt here for a second? Can yeah. I deal? Can we deal with that on a per question basis rather than uh, that's because fine. everything that's would, fine? Yeah, yeah that's, fine. that's fine. That's fine. In my mind. So, so uh, let me get this straight. So, you're against usury. You accept the Muslim position. You're against usury. Usury, as in what a payday loan place would do. Yes, I'm against it. But usury in the sense that your money can accumulate interest and things of that nature. No, I mean there's levels. So I was. Let me let me just say I was at uh, Occupy Wall Street and I walked mm -hmm. around and I did see some coherence to what was going on there mm -hmm. because it was basically 20 year olds sitting there and they all they were holding little cards and the little card said, uh, I'm uh, I have sixty thousand dollars worth of education debt and all mm -hmm. I can get is an unpaid internship. Right. 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 OK. Now that's usury. 
That's usury. These people were basically squeezed out. And so we agree that we're against usury. Yes. Okay. The main reason that the Jews were expelled from France was because they were engaged in usury. That's the gist of the quote that I told you told you about. There was nothing racial about this expulsion. It was because the Jews were involved in usury. And generally, the king had to expel them before, as you mentioned, they were murdered because there were uprisings all throughout Europe when the people realized they could never pay back their loans. I'm saying there's a continuity here that explains what St. Louis did in the context of what's happening right now. This problem is not going away. St. Louis dealt with it in a manner that was effective. Uh, it wasn't the fi- it wasn't the end of the problem. We still have the problem, but he dealt right. with a real problem in a way that was effective that was not racial in its orientation. There's no group, there's no religion or race with a monopoly on greed or who wouldn't like to make money uh, off of loans and as such. Jews were simply in that position because they were banned from most professions. I mean, that was the reality. Also, give me one second. We're going to have to do a new uh, link because when you uh, tweeted out the link, um, people saw that up top. So uh, I'm going to send you guys a new link. I can deny them entry, but they're just going to keep doing that. So it, can we just can I just send you the link? Uh, when you tweeted out the link a minute ago, it had the the top portion where anybody can just join. Do you understand what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and regenerate a new Hangout. I'll send that to you guys. Uh, you understand what I'm saying, right, Dr. Jones? I understand, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, I'll send you guys a link. I'm sorry for that, but uh, it got leaked, so I don't feel okay. like I don't feel like messing with it. So I'm just gonna do a new link. Uh, all right, uh, so I'll send that right to you guys. Uh, sorry for the delay, but uh, that's how it goes. Yeah, my apologies on that. But when when he tweeted out his promo uh, for the show, it had the link of the of the hangout, so people were trying to to rate it there. Uh, and instead of deal with that, I just started a new hangout. So uh, he should be back in here momentarily. Uh, I'll read some of these super chats actually till he gets back in. True S two, I read that one. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm waiting for Mr. Lee to join in. So I just sent him the the link back. Um, so yeah, that's the thing there. I imagine he should be in momentarily. Uh, let's see. Uh, viral Koenig says rock on EMJ. Larry Ridgeway says Louis the ninth, ninth burn the Talmud. Uh, he said uh, maybe more statues were needed. Um, bug eater says, uh, let's, uh, go midday show. Mike Hancho says, let's fucking go. Uh, Larry Ridgeway says, why does Umar sound like a member of the five, five four boys? Lord Zenu WC law says, why is this man? Wait. Ask why this man tried preventing Uber in St. Louis. Um, I th- I think that would that might be a fair question. Uh, we're waiting for him to come back in too. Uh, so let me uh, check that. Give me a sec. All right, let's see. Technical difficulties on the kill stream. That's never happened before. Okay, let me see. He says he's in. Okay, I don't see him though. Oh, the wonders of modern technology here. All right, let me read some of these. Uh, let me try to catch those up. Cuber says, yo, it's Umar Lee. You know it. Uh, gay all day, son. Mike Hancho says, if the South would have won, we'd had it made. That's a song. Uh, Carl ATHF says, uh, I can't read that, but thank you. Aragon Jerry uh, 69 says, has Umar ever met Tech Nine? Uh, Lord Zenu WC Law says, he went from Islam to Christianity back to Islam. Uh, Larry Ridgeway says, Islam is uh, meant, well, he said it's evil, basically. Okay, I sent it to Gmail, so. Uh, yeah, let me see. Oh, okay, let me see. Pretty sure I sent that already, but I don't know. Yeah, you're on the air still. There he is. There he is. There he is. Okay. 
I was just waiting for him to get back in. You're on the air. You're on the air. Okay, Mr. Lee, you're back. Sorry for the interruption there. Okay, he's he's in here. I just can't hear him yet. All right. Oh, okay. We got to look. He's muted. You're muted, uh, uh, Mr. Lee. Okay. Now say something. Oh, okay. Miss, Mr. Mr. Lee. There you are. Yes, there you are. Okay, we're back. Thank thank you guys for the intermission there over on Incel Farms. I appreciate that. Um, go ahead, sir. Uh, I think you were in the middle of talking, actually. I don't know if you remember what it was. Yes, yes, yes. Everything's good. Everything's good. Okay. Do yeah, we agree you, on that? Yeah, okay. 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 Hello? So, did you hear what I just said? Hey. Mr. Lee, can you hear what he just said? Okay. We agree. I don't think you have to be a... I... All right, hold on. Now his internet's looking a little dodgy. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. Mr. Lee! You can also use the phone number, sir. Uh, okay, that switched to myself there. I didn't mean to do that. Okay. Mr. Lee, there you go. But can you hear me is the question. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I can hear you. Okay. All right. Did you hear? I, I, I said uh, you as a Muslim and I as a Catholic would both agree that usury is bad. Right? Yes, I would agree that usury is bad. I don't think you have to be a Muslim or a Catholic to believe that. Right. But as Catholic and Muslim, we agree that. So if it's bad, it, it should be uh, dealt with. It should be banned, right? Well, there's levels because one of the issues, if you look in the Arab countries and Muslim countries, is no one can get any loans to open up a small business. So there's levels of interest that I think can be acceptable. But obviously, there's a predatory level that payday lenders do and, uh, you know, check cashing places and rent to own places do, which I think should be illegal. So you should you think that usury should be allowed? I, I'm just trying to get an answer from you. I think yes there should no? be a, I think there should be a regulation. I think there should be a regulation. Regulation, yeah. like payday loans, they should be banned, right? I agree. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you agree that the government should take a step and ban usury, right? Yes. Yes. Well, that's that's what that's what Louis the Ninth did. He was the king. He banned usury. It was well, simply that the, that the Jews were the usurers was beside the fact he didn't target them as Jews, he targeted them as usurers. No, first of all, the entirety of the Jewish population wasn't involved in this. But this, the, the second part of it is the reason Jews got into this profession is because it was one of the few professions that they were allowed. Yes, I understand to that. I understand that. But yeah. they were targeted as usurers and not as Jews. I just made the point. If you want to, we can move on to the next yeah, question. Let's move on to the next. I want, I want to get into the... The Jerusalem issue you talked about. You talked about European Jews from Poland and and Bibi Netanyahu went to college outside of Philly and and all that stuff. High so school. Want, high school. Yeah, the high school. The high school. I want to address that issue. Uh, first of all, do European Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, have a place in the Middle East? Do they have a place in Jerusalem? Uh, and I will argue that they definitely do have a place. And my argument is based upon this, is that if you look into Jewish history, of course, there was a Jewish state. There were multiple Jewish states 
in what is now Israel uh, and part of the surrounding territories. The reason Zionism began as a secular movement, not as a religious movement, as a movement that was rejected by the religious authorities of the day and is still rejected by many uh, religious Jews, is because Jews were unable to find peace in Europe century after century. There were expulsions, there were pogroms, there were uh, many acts of repression against Jews. This led, led to a tidal wave of immigration to North America. And ultimately, in the 20th century, you know, we saw the, the Holocaust in which 6 million Jews were killed. The majority of the population in Israel, though, is not of European Jews, if not of Ashkenazi Jews, the majority of Jews in Israel are what you refer to as Mizrahi, or Sephardic Jews that left Spain and settled in predominantly Arab countries, or those from other parts of the Muslim world, from Yemen, from Iran, uh, etc. And of course, now you have a great mixing of the population as, uh, as the state gets older. How is that different than a crusade? It's different in the crusade is that the Jewish people had an historic tie uh, to the land and had no other land. The, the people of France, the people of these European uh, monarchies at the time, they had land, uh, they had sovereignty, uh, they had rulers, uh, okay. they had places to live with them. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Jones. I, I see. I see. Your, I, I get your point. Okay. Uh, but the point, uh, who gave the, uh, there were Christians in the Holy Land as well. Yeah, still are. Okay. So they had a right there too, right? They, they had a right there. to, they had a right to invite Louis the Ninth in to defend them. If, if they did not have the right to invite Louis the Ninth in to defend them, why did the Jews there have the right to invite terrorists like Menachem Begin in to defend them? Who gave these Jews the right to steal the property of the Palestinians? Who gave them that right? Well, of course, this is a complex history. When you talk about Menachem Begin and Yitzhak Shamir, you know, et cetera, all the things that were going on at this time in the British mandate period. Uh, but the reality is, is there was no state for Jews. And if you look at the uh, tidal waves of history, this is an era of nationalism. And Jews went in, in on nationalism. They wanted their own state. And of course, they saw the British as an impediment to this state. You know, deals were made with local Arabs and lands were sold, et cetera. But obviously, it ended in a conflict. And where we are now, we're at a place where there's dueling narratives. Uh, there is no lasting uh, peace at this moment. And we're in uh, a pretty bad place uh, in history in that region. And Do you, uh, and, do you and, accept the term? Do you accept the term Nakba? What is your position on the Nakba? You know, Nakba. Wait, explain what Nakba is. Hold on. Wait. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go yeah. Ahead. Go ahead. Nakba is the catastrophe in Arabic, which uh, when when Israelis celebrate the birth of the state of Israel, uh, Palestinians refer to it as Nakba. Okay. And Nakba is 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 the catastrophe uh, because what is taught is that many were. Um, uh, displaced from their homes and farms and 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 villages, etc., for the creation of the state of Israel. Okay. Uh, what are I you, wanna, are you are you justifying the Nakba? I think that's a loaded question. I think there were definitely excesses that happened at that time, but when you look at the Nakba, there also are uh, excesses in the explanation of that history. You know, 
for example, uh, people would say this began a Palestinian genocide and, you know, and millions were displaced. Well, there weren't millions of people, you know, living at the time. But what we do know now is that Gaza is one of the uh, most crowded places per capita in the world. And millions of people live uh, in the West Bank and there's uh, in excess of a million uh, Israeli Arabs. Uh, they're and why, all, they're and, all and, the and why are they living there? It's because their property was stolen. By the by, the Jews that we mentioned from Poland well, and Russia. Well there's, well, there's no Israelis in Gaza, and uh, the joint list of Israeli Arabs are in the Israeli Knesset. That does no, not. No, I know that. that. They, 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 I know that. that. They've been the Palestinians have been forced into an open air concentration camp because the Jews from Poland stole their property, and that's what the Nakba means. Do you do you believe in the Nakba, or or do you not? Do you think there I, was a Nakba? Was there a catastrophe or was there not? Yes or no? I, I, I believe that in the way it has been popularized, uh, that is not uh, in keeping with history. I believe that some people were harmed. There were some displacement. Some people died. But I don't believe it was uh, 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 as it is taught by many. Uh, I believe that... By the, by the Muslims. By the yeah, Palestinian by, Muslims. Yeah, yeah, by Muslims. Not just Palestinians. I believe that you accept the, the Jewish narrative over the Muslim narrative. Well, I don't accept any narratives. I research and study, and I, I see the narrative that that is is in most keeping with the facts. I believe that the creation of the state of Israel was a necessary fact of history, and like all states, uh, it can do good, it can do bad. It has policies that it's weak on. It can always improve. And I believe that's where we are today. I'm not a fan of the Netanyahu government. I'm not a fan of, of the direction uh, he's, he's taking the country. I believe the path that Yitzhak Rabin had uh, the population on, which was the um, uh, two-state solution, I believe that was a, a something that would have been a noble and just uh, uh, conclusion uh, that could have led to a lasting peace. And I believe we're not at a good place in history now. But the state okay. of Israel is okay. now at a good Okay. I, uh, do you have other questions? I'll answer the other. Yeah, questions. I was going to say, did you have any questions for Dr. Jones? I know you've talked. To, I mean, you did call him an anti-Semite and stuff like that. Um, well, he. Well, I want to get to some of these other questions. Wait, uh, can, yeah. can I ask a question now? Can well, I ask a question now? If there's no, so you asked me, ask me about blasphemy. You asked yeah, I was gonna me say, about. It is kind of. It kind of is. Mr. Lee's starting to ask a question. Um, yeah, yeah. But but I'll I'll get it right back to you after. Go go ahead, Mr. Lee. So you asked me what is my position on blasphemy. And you mentioned the fatwa of Ayatollah Khomeini uh, in uh, Iran against the author Salman Rushdie. And, you know, what is a position of creek, uh, of uh, critique? And you get into your books are now banned from Amazon. My books are not banned from Amazon. You can feel free to check them out. One of the books I wrote was called The Cuckold Caliph. It was about Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Uh, the fake caliph of ISIS. Now, I'm someone that is opposed to all caliphates, opposed to all monarchies, opposed to hereditary rule. Uh, and I wrote a most blasphemous uh, short book, really a short story, about Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Do I believe blasphemy should be criminal? No, blasphemy should not be criminal. Do I believe in the classical and traditional punishments for blasphemy? No, I do not. We're living or hopefully we're living in modern democratic societies where religion, all religions, have to compete in the marketplace of ideas. And 
in this country. If I want to criticize Islam, if I want to criticize uh, Prophet Muhammad, I want to criticize the Sahaba, I have that right. If I want to criticize Jesus, if I want to, I made a joke the other day about Catholics that I would have been burned at the stake for. I was just making a joke. I said, you know, Catholics believe great mad dog 2020 turns into uh, turns into Jesus's blood. Now, that was just an offhand joke, but that was something I could have been burned for uh, in, 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 in previous centuries. Do I believe it's also, it's also something that no Muslim I know would ever say. OK, well, I, I just I just don't I just I don't see any. Islamic position here. It seems you, you don't well, hold you're, to any you're, Islamic you're the position. But, but, but here's you, the thing. You, you're, you yeah. have, you're, you're defending, you have no consistency here in terms of def, de, defending no, the things that no, Islam defends. This is the problem in your logic. And what this, you, but what this, you, this is the problem in your logic. Is the problem in Jim Huff's logic. So Jim Huff, the gateway pundit, who is a ne white nationalist who organized the June 27th event, which the Proud Boys and others showed up at, is he called say Umar Ali radical leftist and radical Islamist? Well, I got news for you. As Dr. Jones should know, you cannot be a radical Islamist and a radical leftist because these two these two ideologies are in competition with one another. These are two opposing ideologies. But you're making. No, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying. That if you look at your position, it's yeah. not Islam; it's the Jewish it's revolutionary spirit. Well, I don't know about the That's Jewish revolution. I don't know about the Jewish revolutionary spirit, but anyone who knows me, my work in Ferguson and other places, uh, they just see me, Umar, a guy with a Muslim name, you know, Muslim background, and they say it was, it's some kind of a radical Islamic thing. My approach to Louis the Ninth was never uh, uh, rooted in any, you know, quote unquote. Uh, Muslim fanatical ideological thing. Oh, my, no. my it, was, it was rooted. It was a Jewish position. You were defending <laughs> the Jewish position. Well, my position on society is not theocratic. When you look at blasphemy, if it was theocratic and it was Muslim, I would say yes, they should be killed. If it, you know, if 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 it was theocratic, I would say all interest should be banned. If it was three, uh, a, a theocratic, there's many other things. But what happens when theocracy rules? What happens in Europe when theocracy rules, when theocracy ruled so, a European so, All right. My claim is that you're a proxy warrior. You really don't represent Muslim interests. You're a proxy warrior. I never claimed to represent Muslim I never claimed to represent Muslim interests. So, I mean, that, you know, I, don't, well, I never you, claimed to represent You gave that as your identity. You no, gave I, that as your identity, and no, yet I when I try and hold you to some type, what do you mean you didn't? Now, now we're engaging okay. in the reverse of identity. But okay. so. hold, hold on a second. Hold we're on engaging second. in identity when denial. You see, when you see a guy named Michael Jones, okay, on the streets of Philadelphia, where I've been frequently been in the Germantown neighborhood, if I see a guy named Michael Jones. I don't say this guy is representing a Christian identity. I just see Michael Jones. I don't know what his uh, uh, religious. No, what you do? What you do when you see Michael Jones is you say, "Oh, he's a white guy. He's a yeah. white guy." And yeah. you're yeah. this is this is exactly the identity theft that you were engaging in, Catholics at the statue. Yeah. You're the reason that Connor Page got beat up. Because you stole his Catholic identity, you imposed a white identity on there, and you incited black people to, I'm to not, attack I'm him. I'm not the reason he got beat up, but I'm going to tell you like this. Can I cuss on the show? Or sure. Do I, do I, yes, yeah. you might. Like I told everybody, 
white Catholics come out, Catholics of other races come out and do the rosary, pray and do your thing. But when the white nationalist groups and others come out, we have a problem. I don't want it in Art Hill. I don't want it in Forest Park. But St. Louis is a city with the number one murder rate in the country. We had 15 shootings in the last 24 hours. My mother was murdered in St. Louis. My nephew was murdered in St. Louis. My brother-in-law was murdered in St. Louis. And I can't even tell you how many people I know that were shot in St. Louis, including myself and staff. St. Louis is a city where if you want to talk shit and you want to antagonize people and you want to get in people's faces, it's a city where you can get your ass whooped real quick. So it doesn't have praying the rosary. Do you equate talking shit with praying the rosary? That's not what was happening. That's not what was happening. They were that is what was happening. There's a lawsuit right now where Connor Page is claiming that he was praying the rosary as a Catholic and he was attacked by a black guy. That's the lawsuit. So you're equating talking shit with praying the rosary, aren't you? That's not what they were doing. They were they were praying at times, but they were also getting in people's faces and talking shit. And they were I saw the video. I was there. I saw saw the video. They were antagonizing people. And I'm gonna tell you. In St. Louis, if you want to get in people's face, antagonizing them and talking shit, you better do some boxing lessons before that starts. You're still, you're still equating praying the rosary with talking shit. You're still doing it. They weren't praying the rosary for two hours. They were praying the rosary sometimes. They were going around talking they were, shit. They were, they, were getting, you, they were getting in people's faces. You consistently... You consistently mi- misrepresented them, even nope. after they complained to you. You consistently misrepresented no, no, Catholics no. As, as white supremacists. The Catholic organization themselves, I saw it with my own eyes on July the 12th, the Catholic or- organizers themselves had an internal beef. The devout Catholics that are just there praying the rosary went to these security guys and white nationalists and all of them, and they say, hey, you guys are setting up a parallel organization that is militant and violent and we want this to strictly be about prayer i was standing right there well, when that's that, good. So that, that proves what i said that proves no, what that, i just said no, no it doesn't it, it it proves like i've always said there were devout catholics there just to pray and there were also troublemakers there there were people there that weren't praying at all they were just there talking shit not everybody there was praying so you, you deliberately deprived the Catholics of their identity. You never mentioned Catholics. All you talk about were white supremacists. Well, and what you I claimed really, white, you know, you know what Catholics were white. One at a time. Rad, rad, radical traditionalist Catholicism, uh, Catholicism, which is the Catholic version of ISIS and Al Qaeda, which has found a home on Twitter against these lost, incel Catholic this, groups. This, this, don't know how this is. To, to equate traditional Catholicism with ISIS is preposterous. Preposterous. Not Does Catholics ever what, name, name once when a traditional Catholic beheaded someone. Name once. Hey, you could you you can go to your local library and look. You got Notre Dame. Notre Dame is right there. I believe where you're living at, and uh, you can look up the Inquisition. You can look. You can look up all. The Inquisition. How many people were burned and killed and beheaded in the Spanish Inquisition? How many did the no conquistadors one. kill? No one was beheaded. How, 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 many the, the, how many did the conquistadors kill in the Americas? You know, how many were killed by the various fanatical Catholic monarchs in Europe? All religions have this darkness within them, and they all have this light. And rad trad Catholicism is the ISIS 
and Al-Qaeda of Catholicism. The only difference is it's not as popular. It's just a few <laughs> incels on Twitter. That's the only difference. Look, if you're going to rad trad Catholicism, you're talking about a group of people who are alive right now, just as ISIS is alive right now. I've seen the ISIS people. I don't consider them Islam. I consider them some type of American uh, black op. But you can see the pictures there of ISIS decapitating people. Show me the picture of some rad trad Catholic decapitating someone. Show me the picture. This is preposterous. This is the type. This is the type. Wait a minute. I'm not finished. Y'all scared to go to jail. Y'all scared to go to jail. You want to go to jail and be a white minority. You scared. I'm not scared. Scared of jail. That's the difference. Is the white right? The reason they don't kill as much is because they've got this life in the suburbs and the expert and the exurbs and rural and they're terrified of going to prison they're terrified Um, of going to jail all right you're living in a fantasy world these categories of your mind do not apply to reality let's move on next what do the catholic bishops say about all right now go ahead dr johnson i don't think you got to ask the question that you wanted to ask yet right um is that correct? Did you want to ask him a question a moment ago and you want to ask that now? Or we could get into the whole anti-Semitism thing or some of the charges you guys have thrown back. Uh, and yeah, let's talk, about, let's, okay. let's talk about anti-Semitism. What's oh, the boy. definition of anti-Semitism? You're asking me this question? Yeah. Anti- Anti-Semitism is the irrational uh, fear of Jews and the uh, um, inflammatory rhetoric against Jews and seeking to repressed Jews. So there's be- a rational, it's, it's, ir- how about a rational fear of Jews? Is that anti-Semitism? There is no rational fear of Jews. It doesn't exist. Well, so the Palestinians <laughs> have no reason to fear the Jews over there when there they go no to the wall. As the and, they, and they, and what about those snipers on the wall there uh, shooting Palestinian women and children in the back? Do they? Do those Palestinians have a, a a reason to have a rational fear of Jews? First of all, there's no such thing as the Jews. There are millions. Wait, of you Jews. Just, you're not answering my question. No, what I'm saying is there's no such thing as the Jews. So there's a sniper, you know, in the West Bank. So you're supposed to be afraid of a of of a Jewish person in the western suburbs of St. Louis or in Brooklyn or in Philadelphia. There's no such thing as the Jews. There's Jews. And Jews have different behaviors, different personalities, different political. No such, beliefs, thing, as different the, no such thing as the Jews. There, that doesn't exist. That, it, that collective I mean, individual, individual, individuals. No, there is a collective Jews. There's like there's collective Catholics, but each person has agency. You can't say I'm mad at one person. I, I understand Jewish. that, but are you? Is there such a thing as Catholics? For sure, for sure. But, but, but no one such thing as Jews. No one says but, Catholics. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, there is such a thing as Catholics, but there's no such thing as Jews. No, there's such thing as Jews, but you can't say this one Jewish person did something I don't like, so therefore I'm going to indict the whole group for the behavior. Of this do one they one have person. a? Do they have a collective identity? The sure. Jews. Sure, but but there's but there's varied well, there but there's varied interpretations of what that is. There's not I one agreement on that. Is there a group or not? Yes or no? There's a group known as Jews, and okay. within that group, there's well, then the why are we arguing? There's no there's no reason to argue. Now, every people- year, every year, the German government issues a reparations payment, mm-hmm. and that payment goes to the Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, does that mean every Jew gets money from the German government? No. That is the whole point of 
uh, Norman Finkelstein's book, The Holocaust Industry. The mm. big Jews at the top take all the money. The little Jews at the bottom, they don't get anything. That doesn't change the fact that there is a group called the Jews because those Jews, the people, those Jews cash that check. So you have to accept that there's some type of identity there. There is a collective identity. Let me ask you, there's a collective identity, but it's not the Jews when you look at every uh, action. All right. We've already gone over that. So you're yeah. going to have to give me a definition of anti-Semitism. Where did the word begin? How old is this word? Where did it begin? Well, let me ask you this question because- Well, answer I, the question. I when did the word that. begin? It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's, it has no relevance. No, it isn't. Relevance no, no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. I'm asking the question, when did, 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 did this- term, It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Did, 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 did the term anti-Semitism exist at the time of Louis IX? Yes or no? I have no idea, and it's not even relevant. Well, then, if you have no idea, how do you know it's not relevant? The word anti-Semitism came into existence in 1871, which is 600 years after Louis IX died. It is a racial designation, okay? It means that Jews have bad DNA, and they can't do anything about it, okay? Do you believe Jews have bad DNA? No, that's why I'm not an anti-Semite. Do you believe because I do, not, I do not hold that definition. That's what the word means. That's the only meaning it has. But the fact of the matter is that it has changed now to a position where anti-Semitism is used to stop every single but argument. But you say Jews okay. have a revolutionary spirit. That's equated I, to a Jewish I, DNA. I, no, it's not their DNA that gave them a revolutionary spirit at all. I completely repudiate that. I wrote a book on it, and I said the revolutionary spirit came from the rejection of Christ, which is the rejection of Logos, which is the order of the universe. And when you reject, when you reject, when you reject the order of the universe, you become a revolutionary. That's the thesis well, of my well, book. Under that definition, everybody because there's very few that have accepted Christ. It has nothing to do with race. Under your definition, the majority of the people on Earth are revolutionaries, and not just regular people trying to get by and take care of their families because the majority of the people have not accepted Jesus. The majority no, no, of the people are not Catholics. There's a difference between not accepting, rejecting, or not knowing and rejecting. The Jews are God's chosen people. The Jesus, Jesus Christ was their Messiah, and they rejected their own Messiah. It's not that they didn't know about him. They knew who he was. They rejected him. They killed him. They murdered him. So I have that's two, led to the Jewish revolutionary spirit. So I have two questions for you, Mr. Jones. Yes, good. Uh, the, the number one question I have is, I, I was talking to a Catholic monk uh, and doing some research on the traditional Catholic movement, rad trads. And it seems that many in the leadership of the Catholic Church are not big fans of this movement. And there's a troubled uh, relationship between rad trads and the Catholic church so my question is do you believe that this movement is 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 deeper in knowledge and deeper in faith than the actual archbishops and cardinals uh that are the institutional power within the catholic church question number two is Wait, you... well, let me answer that one let me answer okay. that one okay no first of all first of all i'm not a rad trad uh, that's a fiction that was created. That's another label. You're good at pr producing labels that you want to stick on people, but that's not what I am. 
I'm just an ordinary Catholic who accepts what the Catholic Church teaches. I don't have any superior knowledge whatsoever. Okay, next question. You, you consistently speak of a Jewish problem and Jews' problem. Matter of fact, on June 27th, you even alleged that I was under the control of Jews, and so was Jim Huft. So was the other side. Uh, so, so was the Gateway Pundit. So what, you know, Hitler had his solution, which he called the final solution. What is your solution to what you see as a Jewish problem in America and in the world? Do you agree that acts of violence against Jews are justified? Do you agree no. that expulsions I, I are have, justified? I have, given, I have given every one YouTube video after another where I'm talking about the traditional teaching of the Catholic Church on the Jews, which is secret Judeus non. I've said this repeatedly. The first part of that teaching is no one has the right to harm the Jew. Okay. The second part of that teaching is the Jew has no right to destroy culture, undermine your morals, or ridicule your faith. That is the Catholic traditional Catholic teaching. That's what I believe. But of course, in an open and free society like we allegedly live in, you are free to criticize and to even blaspheme other people's religious beliefs. Now, now wait a minute. No, you're yeah. not free. I am not free to criticize Jews because uh, they they take my books down from YouTube. This is not a free society. This mm -hmm. is precisely what this battle is about. Who's mm -hmm. going to control this society and what criteria are we going to be using? I believe yeah. in the First Amendment. I believe in the First Amendment. The people who ban books from YouTube and Amazon, they don't believe in the First Amendment. I believe in the traditional freedom. Well, you're of free to say it, and there's, and there's often consequences for it. These are private companies, and they control who has access uh, to those platforms. Now, if you, if you want to look we at are the, in, We are the, in a situation where private companies have more power than governments. This is all because of technological innovation called the internet, and the law simply hasn't caught up this problem as, as a result. Well, not, you now, you're a, now, now you sound like a cultural Marxist. I don't know, man. No, you may be uh, turning over to the Marxist side, but there's plenty of anti-Semites on Twitter and YouTube. It's not hard to find. Uh, there's plenty of conspiracy theories against Jews. There's just a guy named Wiley in the UK over the last several days on Twitter. He's caused a big uproar. Yeah, I'm not responsible for other people's point of view. I'm responsible for a book like The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. I wrote it 11 years ago. It sold well on Amazon and it was taken down. Now, it's, I find it hypocritical for someone to complain about burning the Talmud. The same people are taking books off of Amazon, which is the modern-day equivalent of book burning. Books not burn. I mean, people are free to buy it. You're just not free to use those platforms uh, to sell it. I mean, there's, there's a pretty clear uh, distinction there. So now you're a libertarian. Hey, if you want to ride around in your car and, and you know schlep your book out of the trunk of the car, you're more than free to do it. No one is stopping you from doing that. You know, if, right. if people want to send you a check, you can do that. Right. And they are. They're still buying my books. They're still selling very well. But this doesn't change the injustice of this campaign that the ADL has done called hate speech. The, the, when you do this, when you do this, when you suppress speech, which is what they're doing, you create anger. Okay. The more, but, the more, more you talk about the ADL, I think after this is over, I'm going to kick in a donation to them because they're doing great work and they're really... Uh, they have. You go to their website, ADL.org. They have a lot of resourceful information on a lot of different. So you support the ADL. Let's get I, just. I, go I, 
I think they do I a lot of great work. I think I think they do okay. a lot of great work. Okay, that's that's all I need to say. I think we've had enough discussion. I just like to read a final statement, if I may. Sure, you can. And he let off, so yeah, you can lead off here. Yeah, if you want to go ahead and read, yeah, you can go ahead and read yours. Sure. Go ahead. You need to go first. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's up to you. Okay. Shortly after my article on St. Louis appeared in Culture Wars, one of my contacts in St. Louis received a call from one of his Jewish friends who told him that no Jew was offended by the statue and that the whole campaign against it had been cooked up by Rabbi Susan Talva, whom he described as, quote, an apostate and, quote, a sorceress. At this point, I'd like to propose a solution to the revolutionary turmoil roiling St. Louis and cities like Portland and Seattle. It involves an appeal to a group whom Pope John Paul II referred to as our elder brothers in the faith. The question is simple. Do St. Louis Jews support Umar Lee, Rabbi Susan Talva, and the revolutionary movement to take down the statue of St. Louis? If the answer to that question is yes, then we know where you stand. If the answer is no, join with us in appointing the revolution in opposing the revolutionary movement, which begins with toppling statues and ends by taking lives. The Jews of St. Louis will not be immune to the turmoil which the Jewish revolutionary spirit is currently unleashing in their city. In case they have forgotten, the Trotskys make the revolution, but the Bronsteins pay for it. Are the Jews of St. Louis willing to stand with their fellow citizens and oppose this violence, or are they going to remain a nation apart regarding the rest of mankind with all the hatred of enemies as Tacitus put it. The citizens of St. Louis are extending their hand. They are looking for the support of a group which could end this turmoil tomorrow if they chose to do so. The time for that answer is now. Thank you, Dr. Jones, for coming on the Kill Stream. Mr. Lee, go ahead and say your final piece here. I join you from St. Louis. St. Louis is the place of the birth of the modern civil rights movement. Beginning on August the 9th, 2014, we took to the streets. I was arrested twice in Ferguson, Missouri. I was tear gassed repeatedly. I was beaten. I lost my job and many others did, but we stood firm for the call for human rights in Ferguson, in St. Louis County, in St. Louis City. And this movement caught fire throughout America and throughout the world. What was this movement? This was a movement for justice against white supremacy, against police repression. But just as we oppose white supremacy, just as we oppose police violence, we oppose that great evil of anti-Semitism. We oppose the anti-immigrant spirit that has been brought on by President Donald Trump. We oppose Islamophobia, which you see on Fox News and on the Gateway Pundit and other sites. We want to create a society of justice, a society of love. And we want to take down the monuments that are dedicated to men of evil, to men of violence. And King Louis IX was most certainly one of them. And if they are to be replaced, they are to be replaced by victims of the American empire. Victims like a slave named Hannah, who was beaten to death by her owner in St. Louis, Colonel Harney. And there's a street named after him in North St. Louis, not 
not far from my boyhood home. And Hannah was beaten to death because he says she she misplaced his keys. Surely Hannah would be a better monument on top Art Hill than a anti-Semitic French king. Shirley McIntosh, who was a, a slave who was lynched in St. Louis, and it was so violent and horrific that even Abraham Lincoln, before he was president, spoke against it. Shirley Elijah Lovejoy, the great St. Louis abolitionist and a man of the cloth, a pastor who had to flee St. Louis, Missouri for Alton, Illinois. Alton, Illinois, also the hometown of James Earl Ray, the assassin of Martin Luther King and Miles Davis for that matter. Elijah Lovejoy goes to Alton to seek sa uh, safety and he was a white man who was lynched and his printing press was thrown in the Mississippi River. These are better people to lionize than a violent and hateful French monarch. Thank you, Mr. Umar Lee and Dr. E. Michael Jones for coming on a midday special edition of the Killstream. Uh, both you gentlemen stay safe out there. I hope I did a good job. Mostly just let you guys talk. Uh, and I think you guys had plenty to say. I didn't really have to do too much. Uh, and so I think you guys pretty civil debate as well. Uh, so you guys have a good one and I thank you for coming on the kill stream. All right. Thank you. All thank right. you. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Well, that was a fun midday show there. I have to say, <clears throat> just got back from DC literally, uh, an hour and a half before the show started. Tonight, let me look. I don't think we have a guest. I did see chat razzing me because I picked up my phone. I was trying to see what we had scheduled tonight. Let me see here. Do we have anybody tonight? John Ward is tomorrow. I think tonight might just be a panel show as far as the kill stream goes. We'll see. I don't see anybody scheduled for Monday. John Ward is tomorrow. That was announced over the weekend. Uh, I don't know if everybody saw that. Uh, but that's definitely going to actually reach out to me. Uh, I've wanted to have him on the show before. I think I sent him an email or something uh, and didn't hear back. Uh, but uh, he's definitely coming on the show tomorrow. On Wednesday, we're going to have Oliver Lee Bateman and Amy Teresi. I think I'm going to pronounce that right before long. Um, on Thursday, Larry Ridgeway stopping into the kill stream. And on Friday, we don't have it scheduled yet. So. Excuse me, by the way. Let me read these. I'll read them all. I'll start off with Entropy, actually. Uh, let's see. Studio Ikean says, Is Lee missing a tooth, or is it just so rotten we can't see it in 480p? Jordan Dyer says, Dr. Jones, this guy was very quick to condemn the Christian Inquisition, but not the Jewish occupation of Palestine. Why do you think that is? He mentioned some other things. Again, these are my comments, not... Or excuse me. These are the, not my comments. These are from the Super Chatters, not from me. Uh, so I just want to be clear here. Uh, if Mr. Lee is watching after, this is not me saying this. They pay me to say this. I thought I was very fair. Again, I didn't have to do that much, which is fine. Uh, let's see. Lord Zeno WG Law says, because whites build art, Muslims destroy it. Larry Ridgway says, Umar hates the Lord. Cooper says, why is there continued exclusion of black people in space? Uh, by the way, I was going to, I thought about taking callers and it was set up to take callers at first, but I think it was. Good, just like that. Trist, who says the bronze statue that stands in Forest Park today was donated to Forest Park by the Louisiana Purchase Exposition Company. It wasn't a private donation. It was paid by state. Uh, it wasn't paid by state. Guest is an idiot. State didn't pay or fund it. Why does the guest hate American history? He finished up his thought there. Uh, Satan is this guy. <laughs> Satan is this guy's daddy, says Blackshirt Kruiper. Uh, 
Bug Eater says this pandering something or another. Larry Ridgeway says it wasn't a blood libel, Umar. Flamingo says Trump loves Zionists. We live in paradise. Strivecast says wrap it up. Bug Eater says does he ever stop? Larry Ridgeway says Islam worships a, worships a false god. Trist 2 says hey, the entire Ottoman Empire killed black Israelites. By the millions, you anti-Semite. Let's move on. McMack says, tired of listening to this goober. Lord Zeno WG Law says, which religion refers to outsiders as cattle again? Arcade Outpost says, this motherfucker sounds like a waiter at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Shrez 2 says, hey, Ralph, Umar versus the captain, please. Oh, you know what? Wow, that might actually be something. That, that, that's where they're getting put in the pad. I don't know if it's going to it's gonna happen. Who was it we were talking about? Oh, who were we talking about facing? I don't know. I'll figure that out, too. There was another guy I had. Wanting to face the captain, uh, huh? You can't. Yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll think about it. I, I had it earlier. Uh, anyway, seventh seal. Oh, it was E. Michael Jones actually. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know if he would want to take that one or not, but uh, I don't know. It just depends. I'm not sure if he'd be in the mood to take that one or not. I haven't asked him. It would definitely be good, but I just don't know if he wants to do it. Uh, let's see. Seventh Seal Arwood says facts unlike dudes BS. Basically, Captain would be good with any either one of these guys probably. Uh, Arcade Out. He's pretty much good with almost everybody. Arcade Outpost says Lee isn't actually Muslim, just try hard contrarian. By the way, shout out to Bibble. I'm sorry that I was on at three. That was not the plan. They came to me with this debate originally. It was going to be at six p.m. and then they, Mr. Lee, had a scheduling conflict and they could only do it at three. Uh, so we did it at three. Also, shout out to Founding Farmers today in Washington, D.C. They gave me a tweet back when I tweeted about them. Delicious breakfast we had there. Great weekend in Washington. I'll have a story fire up. Probably not today, but definitely by tomorrow. Spinach Bros says, Ralph, important question. Do you eat spinach? Yes, I do. I love spinach. Cooper says, need an IV on Lee after taking EMJ's D up the AR? I don't know what that could possibly mean. Southern Ningo says, you taking calls later, fam? Nope. Sorry. Tonight I will, though. Chauvinist says usury has worked out awfully well for certain people. Chauvinist says they can ban us from having a bank account on a whim. Wimley then says, thank you, Mr. E. Lee, for protecting our statues. Larry Ridgway says he congratulates me on a great show. Thank you, <laughs> Larry Ridgway. Carl ATHF says Umar Lee is afraid to talk uh, Holocaust with Enoch. Chauvinist says, hello there, my fellow Arabs. Oy vey. Arcade Outpost says, Ira can't. Lee is paid. Quizzling, not contrarian. Southern Dingo says, World's fakest Muslim versus white guy who denies race. Chauvinist says, He sounds like a Hebrew pretending to be Muslim. Uh, Arcade Outpost says, Excesses in description of a historical event. Hmm. Chauvinist says, I would never check out your books on Amazon. Arius Augusta, uh, something about uh, Wigger. Wigger with a W, by the way. Grug, Grug, Grug says, be right back, buying more Jones books, and hail Larry Ridgeway. Chauvinist says, I hope you get something or another, somewhere or another. Scott25 says something else about uh, certain percentages. Oh, man. Chauvinist says, this guy needs Jesus. Magnus Von Thule says, hail EMJ. Arcade Outpost says, Umar is low IQ as fuck, regurgitating ADL regurgitating, excuse me, ADL propaganda. Carl ATHF says, why did you sell crack before you became a Muslim? I don't know if that's sure or not, by the way. And again, this is not my commentary. Micmac says, I feel bad for Lee. He got humiliated and exposed. Wimley says, Umar, something or another, revealed his position is what he said. Chauvinist says, Ralph, 
kick this piece of shit. L- listen, guys, we ha- we want differing opinions on the debate. I don't mind you talking shit either because that's fine too. But I'm not just gonna kick somebody. That was the idea. We want them to to have different uh, difference of opinion. What the fuck? Get him out of here! Get this guy out of here! I don't want to hear this shit. Get him out of here! No, just calm down. I understand. <clears throat> I know your position, but no, just can't do that. I have to be chill. I have to be chill. I have to be chill. I'm the moderator. Arcade Outpost, uh, uh, quoting Lee. I don't. It says, "Of course, I know the ADL." I don't know if that's that's not what he said. I don't think. Anyway, Aries Augustus says this is real cultural appropriation. Chauvinist says we're going to take down your gay monuments. Poo Poo King four twenty says Umar Lee brought people. Wait, Umar Lee brought PP to a poo poo fight. Augie says kick Ralph, and I couldn't agree more. That's it. Thank you for the midday kill stream. It was very fun. Let me check stream elements just to be sure. Again, I wanted to add some of these during the middle, but. It was just not going right. Oh, stream elements is being kind of weird today as well. I don't know if it's just because I'm in like Brave or something's messing with it. They did some kind of redesign and it's acting kind of goofy. Oh, I do see a couple. I'm sorry. Uh, here we go. Uh, Ale Ollie says, Umar Lee, your intro has already confirmed you are a Marxist anti-American scum. Dread Clown says, EMJ, you bring up great points all the time. However, stop going for ban. Everything is your solution. Omar, it's not all Jews, but a lot of people doing shady things happen to be of their persuasion. That's it! I had a lot of fun with this! I'm back, motherfuckers! Goodbye! On a peaceful sunset, the kill stream. They drown a peaceful sunset, the kill stream. The other now friends when I went to do him. I saw the kill stream had been struck down again. Secret flags in report, but we all know who's to blame. Can't afford the retort. Yadi Jarbo's his name. Now you won't take them round or all them channels you strive. So just delete your account. I'm sure there's folders to find.